0: Season two, Exodus. Here we go. Exodus chapter 18. I was telling Vicky that uh, you know some of these stories are really well known, and some of them are not as well known. So the other day we were reading uh, Charlie's little Bible storybook, you know, and it's little. It's got the big thick pages. You know what I'm talking about? Remember the little cardboard pages are super thick, and you can only fit so many stories in a book like that, you know. And so we're reading the story of Moses and so she knows who Moses is, you know, like the baby with the basket in the, in the water and, and then later on that he's in front of this burning bush and then, you know, he is parting the Red Sea. We read all these stories and the story we're going to read today is not in the little kid's book. All right. So uh, if that's all you ever got to, this will be brand new. This is a story after they come out of Egypt where Moses is uh, guiding the people. So they've come out, they've gone through the Red Sea, and uh, right away they they start with the complaining, and, and they need food and water, and they get that, they get the manna, and they're kind of, they get attacked, we learned about that last week, and so Moses has to Hold the mountaintop with his hands up, and then the next thing that happens is Moses gets visited by his father in law now we're going to we're going to get to the Ten Commandments here soon, right so this you might think well, we should just skip to the, the Ten Commandments, but this it's in here, and I want to read this story a little bit to you and I think there's something that you'll be able to take out for your life today, especially if you have any problems. (laughs) Anybody know anyone that has a problem? So what happens is as soon as they get out of slavery and out of Egypt and they get some food, like the first thing that you're going to want to do... is you're going to want to get some food. You know, like, if you're an escaping person, you're escaping slavery, you're an escaping convict, you're whatever, you're escaping, you're going to have to get some food. And so they get the food, and then the thing you've got to remember is there's all of these people. Uh, I think it says in the scripture, 600,000 of them. A lot of people. And... As it turns out, they were having a few disagreements. Hard to imagine. (laughs) And I think one of the things that is helpful in this story is that they don't just go right there and get the Ten Commandments, but they go through this thing here where they're having some disagreements. Um, If you leave Egypt... And there's a pharaoh, and he is sort of God. His word is law, and people are slaves. There's, um, there's a lot of bad, obviously. We don't need to say the overly obvious. Um, but there's a subtle, I'll call it a subtle good. And what's the subtle good? There's some order. He makes the rules, they follow the rules. And so when you take someone out of slavery, or you, you disrupt something like that, What happens is now you don't have the normal order. Sort of like, you know, if you topple a dictator in the Middle East and think, now, enjoy your life. And then instead you're in a war for 20 years trying to, what they call, nation build. Messy. Um, All these people are free, they have no system, they have no structure, they have no laws. It's kind of an every man for himself and as much as a lot of us don't like certain structure or laws or whatever, deep down, all of us need it. We need some structure. Um, You go on the road, it's kind of nice if you can count on everyone in America driving on the right-hand side. It's kind of nice. It's just a law. You say, well, I should be able to drive where I want. I don't know why people are telling me where to drive. In other words, one of the things that you learn as you mature is there's no such thing as absolute freedom. Absolute freedom is chaos. Absolute freedom is chaos. You, you, you can't drive on the left side of the road in America. Now, there's other countries where you should. But you, you get used to This is an order. This is, we're going to have some rules here. We're going to do this. And if we do this, we will all be a lot freer. Your freedom might be impinged a little bit. But in general, there will be massive amounts of freedom because we'll have some structure. We're going to get to these laws. There's a structure. We're going to drive on a certain side of the road. And uh, they were having disputes. And so what would happen is uh, his father-in-law comes to visit him. And they had this greeting in the desert, and uh, Jethro was told about all the things that God had done, and he brings Moses' wife to him, Zipporah, and his two sons, and we could talk in depth about that, but it says then, the next day, Moses um, took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning until evening. They stood around from morning to evening. Verse 14, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing? Why do you alone, there's a good word, alone. Circle that one in your Bible. Make a note of it here today. Why do you alone, says judge, while all these people stand around from morning till Evening. It sounds like being at the Secretary of State's office to me. <laughs> one person. You may ever, you got to go up there, to, you get a number and then you're told, you waited for an hour to be told you're in the wrong line. <laughs> it was, well, the system was a little rough, we'll just say that. And... Uh, Moses sat there as judge, and everybody that had a dispute, had a problem, would come and bring it to Moses, you know, this guy's dog bit my cow, you know, my cow's bleeding, and I don't think he should let his dog run around, and Moses would go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Tell me about your dog. And they said, well, he's only bit like 12 people. And, you know, and then Moses would go, well, I think we should do this. And so they had case after case after case after case after case. And all day long, people had disputes. Just for grins. Anybody here ever a dispute with anyone else about anything? You can just imagine the number of disputes that you have to handle about anything. They had to create some kind of order. And so Moses says, because the people come to me to seek God's will. And, and I mean, that makes sense. Um, if they're trying to discern, let's go talk to Moses. I mean, he's obviously the leader. He's the guy that just parted the Red Sea, did all these miracles and plagues and brought us here. He must know what to do. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Then it says, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. Everybody say, not good. This is not good. This is not good. Um, You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. So we're going to talk about all kinds of things today. We're going to talk about stress. We perhaps live in one of the most worn-out countries on the planet with all the resources, and we're just worn out. You can find article after article after article about people who are tired and sick and tired and sick and tired and sick and stressed. Moses, his father-in-law, goes, Man, this isn't good. You're going you're gonna to wear out, and these people are going to wear out. The, the, the way it's set up is just not good. Um, the work is too heavy for you. Anybody ever feel like that? Like you just got too much on your plate? I mean, in some ways, this is one of the most practical chapters in the entire Bible. This is just speaks to us every single day. This is just, I got too much on my plate. It's too heavy. You cannot handle it. There's that word again. What? Alone. Let's say it together. Alone. Alone is the worst place to be. Can't handle it alone. Listen to me. I'm going to give you some advice. How many of you are good at taking advice? I mean, this honestly. If you, if you start to, to, to mind this, this chapter and say, well, you know, really what's in this for me? I mean, if you just stopped right there and asked yourself and did a, a good evaluation at how well you are at taking advice, because nothing's going further here if Moses won't take advice. He's dead in the water. And wouldn't it be somewhat true that we are kind of dead in the water as soon as we stop taking good advice? Now, I'm not saying that there's some advice you need to reject. I mean, advice is everywhere. But somehow, some way, we get caught. I don't know why, Mo- this is the thing, I don't know why Moses got caught here. We don't, to, we don't have to start by assuming he had a bad motive. But I think a lot of times what happens in life is... We don't have a bad motive, but what happens is we just get caught. We start doing something, and then maybe we're good at it, we have success, and then we start doing more things, and then more things, and people start looking to you, and then next thing you know, you're doing this, and you're doing this, and you're doing this, and the next thing you know, you're doing way too much. And you don't know how to stop doing it. Somehow, It seems like from reading this that Moses didn't even see it. You know, one of the greatest gifts to us is when people come to us with what we call outside eyes. Right? Like maybe the people were never going to say, Moses, this isn't good. A, because maybe they felt like, hey, that's the guy that talks to God. That's the guy that got us to the red. I can't say anything to him. So maybe they weren't the right people. Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. M- Moses couldn't see it. So it took this guy coming in from across the desert, his father-in-law to go, whoa, can, can we have a time out here? Think about it in your own life. Have you ever been blessed? I can think of a handful of times where I've had this, this happen in my life, an outsider who I respected. Almost always they were older I think in my case, they were always older. I could look at me and say, I think I'd make some changes here. For some of us, getting free from the weight and the stress that's on us, is never going to change if we don't take some advice. We're stubborn. We're stuck. We're people of our routines. Right? And we just get back up. And start over again. And all the people are there. Now, what do you think was the attitude after a while? Do think Moses had a big smile on his face? Like, this is great. <laughs> do you think the people had smiles? I mean, after a while, just, it, it starts to erode the attitude. It's just think about this. Is your attitude about life good? And or your attitude, and if your attitude's bad and, you, and you're sensing it, you know this might be a time to think about maybe there's some advice out there that might help me. He says, "I want to give you some advice. May God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and Speak to God and commune with God. And then when you have these disputes, I want you to do this. You're their representative. And then he says, I want you to teach the people God's laws he teaches teach them their, the, the decrees and the instructions. Now, we're getting to a place where we're going to get to the Ten Commandments. But certainly, Moses is, at least in his mind, starting to formulate what these are. As we already learned last week or the week before about the Sabbath was already coming into play. And we haven't even kind of officially, it hasn't been officially released yet. Moses gave him the Sabbath. It was like a pre-release before the CD dropped. You get what I'm saying? But they were starting to be formulated. And if people are guided by general laws and principles, then they wanted to bring every single thing to Moses. You know, like, like the structure and the order is essential. I mean, don't listen to people that tell you we don't need any structure, we don't need any order. That's insane. That's what frees everybody. There's no perfect system. There's no perfect anything. But we need basic order and structure because that's what frees everybody. What do you do when you get a dispute, you know? You got to have some order. You know, otherwise, everyone just does whatever they want. That doesn't really go well. In fact, if you fast forward to the book of Judges, you'll read that. And it says, in those days, everyone did what they thought was right in their own eyes. I mean, could you imagine leaving people to just, everybody, just do whatever you want. Let's start in fourth grade. You know, and, and, and like with Charlie, we're reading all these these uh, these children's stories and in kids' movies, and you know, we've been, lately we've been doing Pinocchio a lot, and you know, the, the whole dream of, of the, the, all the, the kids in, the, in Pinocchio is they, they, they want to go to the land where you can do whatever you want, you can drink all the root beer you want. And what is, it turns them all into donkeys, right between the lines. What does it do to us? It turns us into something. It's essential, and we we haven't even announced what the actual laws are, but we're starting to realize that we need to have these things. Now, as we go through, we're going to learn how to handle the laws and how Jesus handled the laws, and there's all kinds of nuances. Fair enough, fair enough, great discussion, important discussions that we need to have, but you got to start here. By the way, this could help us. Like, this is good psychology about how to raise children, how to raise a society, how to do anything, because you have to start with basic order. That's just how you start. And they have just kind of this big chaos. People have a dispute. What do you do? Well, Moses could say, why don't you guys just fight? I mean, take the gloves off, go at it. Let's see what... Let's see what could happen. Gets everybody around. We got like a big ring. This guy's dog bit this guy's cow. Wrestle. What's going to happen? Well, this is going way back in time. Then the people with the biggest muscles, right, are going to decide what is right or fair or just. It's not a good system. We need a different system. The people with the biggest muscles So instead of being guided by aggression, let's be guided by authority. What would the authority be? Fairness and justice. Rules. And as we're going to see, people to help them interpret these rules. If you... (laughs) Again, this could be like a story you would just do a throwaway. Let's just get to the Ten Commandments. But no, I think there, there's so much in this Like to, to meditate like this is, this is essential. I think we're missing this. And I, I see it like now there's, there's this trend where it's, it's really cool to, you know, to kind of thumb your nose at authority like you, you know you don't need these people. Okay. First of all, is there any... Perfect authority, human authority. No, or is it? People in authority make mistakes all the time. The people in authority need to be rotated out. Yes. Huh. Right? But the alternative is anarchy. You can't have that. And so what you're going to have is this, this progression, as you're going to see in the story. And they have to move to a place where all of a sudden they can have some kind of order, and then with order then comes freedom. Now you can drive, huh? 70, can you believe it? 75 miles an hour. Not a mile over. 75 miles an hour. When I was a kid, I was 55. Remember that? Thank God for Sammy Hagar. <laughs> Change the law. You know. you, you, now you can, you can, boom, because we created some laws, we created some things. It set us free. What, what structure does in your life, what structure does in our society, is it, is it perfect? No, but it sets us free free to run Maybe in your own personal life let's say you decide to get like a budget together what's a budget? a cuss word no well, a budget <laughs> is a plan to be free it's a freedom plan that's what it is it just has to do with where you put the nickels that's all it is it's a plan to be free structure you know like you spend this much on this and then no more Like, you might be at the restaurant, and you're like, should I get dessert, should I not get dessert? And you look at the columns, and you spread X, Y. Your husband's a nerd, he does this, right? And then then, the X, Y, nope, we can't afford dessert. So embarrassing. I don't want to say it in front of my friends. Say it right out loud, nope, we can't afford it. We wouldn't do that in our culture, would we? I'm full. Whatever, make... Make something up, it doesn't matter. Make something up, I'm on a diet. The reality is you're dying for some of that banana cream pie, whatever it is, you're craving it. But you can't afford it, that's a budget, that's a structure, it's a no, it's a solid no. Boom. Not cool in our society. It's not cool to budget. Be too freeing. Better to play pretend doesn't matter what area. You can apply it to any area of your life. I don't, I don't really care what area you apply it to, but the, you just apply it, just the structure. This is what frees us. And it goes on to say, so, so you teach them this and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. We need to know how to live. We need to know how to behave. Basics, basics, basics. Like, we have a four-year-old, whew, I mean that, from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, that's all you do is teach. That's all you do. No, you can't do that. No, you can't. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that either. Yes, you can do that. You can do this. No, you you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. What you do is then, after telling them no for like Seven days in a row, you send them to their auntie's house, and they can do whatever they want for 24 hours. Structure, you need to build it in. Teach them how to live. Say, Chris, why are you going off on this? Well, first of all, it's in the Bible, not really going off. But second, how dare you say that about me? Second, we aren't teaching people how to behave. I mean, like, like, this is kind of basic. I, I know. That's why I'm talking about it. Just like, this is how you behave. And this is how you don't, you, you don't behave like this. Now, I don't do it perfectly. I sure don't teach my daughter to do it perfectly. My wife's not even close. But anyway. Uh, oh, we, all of us, all of us are an absolute, what, work in progress, But the idea that we think we're gonna go anywhere without teaching people, this is how you behave. And this is how you're not supposed to behave. They were gonna be stuck right there. Can I say something about our society? We're playing with fire, man. I mean, we gotta teach people how to behave. I I don't know who's supposed to be teaching them. I mean, maybe I'll try to do my part, my little piece. But it's just like some stuff is right and some stuff is wrong. And that never goes out of style. I mean, change your pants all you want, change your hairdo, but this is right and this is wrong. Treat people this way and you don't treat them this way. No matter what day it is, no matter how much technology you have, no matter how cool you dress, this is right and this is wrong. You get a start. And he goes, Then then select capable men who fear God, they're trustworthy, who hate dishonest gain. That's a six week series right there. Honestly. If you get at people in leadership that hated dishonest gain, that couldn't be bought. I'll just let it marinate for a while. And appoint them as officials. So he's like, he's going to put a structure. He's going to put like a government in place or whatever, whatever term you would give it. You have people over thousands, people over hundreds, and people over tens. And so, someone's over like this family and their neighbors, and they bring them all their problems and they handle the disputes. And they really judge it. They have these laws and these systems, and they. But if no one can be bought, it works. It can't be bought. They fear God. They can't be bought. Then it moves. He says to Moses, have them serve as judges. And every difficult case bring to you I mean, this is is kind of like where we got our Supreme Court stuff, basically. The Simple cases, they can decide for themselves, and that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. Here's something that will personally set you free in life. Freeing yourself from micromanaging. You know the most stressful, I think, inducing things in your life, in my life, is we try to manage too much. And the greatest skill of this whole thing, I think, the greatest skill that you can you can take away from it is learning to sort, sort things out. What are you sorting? What I have to take on and what I can let go. Greatest skill of your life. What do I have to take on? What can I let go? Do I have to take this project on? Can I let it go? Do I have to take this problem on? Can I let it go? And you know the worst thing that we do in micromanaging is we try to micromanage other people. How is that working? (laughs) Somebody is doing something that doesn't please you. They're not doing it the way that you want it done. And you want to what? Control them. I want you to do it like this. And I want you to do it like this. And I want you to do it like this. And it causes you so much anxiety, so much angst, so much stress. And you have to re- realize, like, there are certain problems that you take on, and there are certain problems that you, what? You let go. You know, I mean, speaking of four-year-olds in, in La La Land, where I live most of the time, I mean, you know, the Disney Frozen song, let it go, let it, every, every day you should just, Crank it on 10 when you wake up. Let it go. Let it go. Right? And just start your day with what? Let it go. Because 85% of it, you should just let go. Well, I should take on this problem. Oh, I should take on this problem. I should let this stress me out. I can do a lot about this. You now, what people do? Take it on. I can't fix it. I can't do anything about it. But I can walk around angry. Sort it out. If you do this, and God so commands, Jethro's saying to, if you do this, and I think you should, you get it? Did you pick this one up? If you do this, and God's telling you to, you will be able to stand the strain, and these people will go home and they'll be satisfied. It's a win. What? It's a win-win. Everybody's going to win. Moses is like, right on. For a while, I was wondering in this message, like, was Moses, was he full of pride? And I got to thinking about this for a long time. I was thinking how important humility is in all of our lives, and this is a tough one, because humility is essential for us to take advice. I mean, you won't without humility, some degree. And hum- Humility is essential for us to grow and to mature and to develop at any stage of our life. You have to be humble to grow and to mature. And I started to wonder, was there maybe not an overt pride, but was there an undercurrent of Moses? Because pride's a funny thing. It's a tricky thing it can be very under the radar, very understated, very hidden. You know what I mean? It's like people walking around with big signs and big hair, and they, oh, they're so proud. I think, it's, I think it's worse when it's just under the radar. And I think Moses, it's a possibility that it, this was what was driving him because he, he kind of looked at himself. He goes, I gotta do this. I got these people out of here. I'm responsible. I part of the Red Sea, I it's my staff that and it was always God and, and eventually you're gonna see this is really interesting. Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land. And somewhere along the line, Moses confused God using him from him. And pride's a kicker, man. Because pride will destroy your life. And that's what his father-in-law was telling him. This is going to destroy you. You can call it whatever you want. I'm just disorganized. I'm this way. I'm that way. But if you keep peeling the onion back down at the core, if it's pride, if that's what's driving you, it's going to destroy you. Pride comes before a fall. And don't think you can't cover up pride in some sackcloth and ashes, you know, in a prophet's gown and all kinds of stuff. We can disguise pride any kind of way. Only you know. Is that what is driving your life? Because if it's driving you, it will destroy you. And that's what his father-in-law was trying to say. This is going to destroy you. And it's not helping these people because to set up the system, he had to stop being the man, right? Can you imagine? You walk out every day and there's just like thousands. It was like a rock concert. You know what I mean? Thousands of people out there, Moses. Maybe maybe it was subtly addicting. I don't know. Then I think about what Jesus taught, you know? <laughs> when, when, you, when you can't let go of yourself, that's pride. I can't let, I can't let go of myself. That's what Peter couldn't do. Jesus is trying to tell him, like, I'm going to die, and I'm going to resurrect. And Peter goes, no deal. No chance. Let's just keep it like this, where you do the miracles, and you hand out the bread, and we got all the people coming to us. Let's just go with that system. And Jesus goes, no, I'm going to die. I'm going to come again. That's the plan. That's the system. And pride and the ego just hates that system. Who here loves to lose? We don't die. We don't like to to die. We don't like to lose. We don't. I mean, right now we're just trying to get Charlie to to lose a race once in a while. I I don't know why, because I figured you know when they're like a toddler, you know you don't need to beat them when they're like crawling. Let them win a couple races, but I think I went let it go too far. I've created a monster. She cannot lose a race. So what we're going with now is ties. We both won. (laughs) See how I'm doing that? I'm backing it in. Moses, you did good. Now hand it over. This was God doing it anyway. Can I say something about your life? You did good. You're doing good. But don't let pride destroy you. And however it manifests itself, don't let it destroy you and wear you out. And I love what Jesus said. Come here, all you who are weary and burdened, stressed out, and I will give you rest. That's God's plan, you know. God's plan is for peace, freedom, order, rest. Or in the Old Testament, they called it shalom, shalom. It was just a, like an all-encompassing word, shalom, wholeness. That's God's plan. Let's stand. We'll have a closing prayer. Again. Okay, we're into the Ten Commandments here soon. But uh, before we get there, we've got to go to the mountain, and it's shock and awe, it's shock and awe. And, and you're going to see if we need it. And I think that inter- I was going to like, well, I got to get to the Ten Commandments. But the more I've read, the more i thought, I mean, I've been living in the Exodus. And the more, the more I'm there, the more I realize you can't skip chapter 19. You got to have shock and awe. We got to bring back the reverence. And I want you to think about it. We're going to be talking about it let's pray God somehow help us to absorb this in our life in an age that is filled with disputes we need the peace that the order can bring First, teach us to put you in the rightful place in each one of our lives and our hearts in a renewed commitment to go before God. To put God in the right place. To put you in the driver's seat of our lives. And then God, give us all wisdom and the humility to listen to those that are speaking to us. The ones that love us, that can bring good to us if only we would listen. Give us that kind of humility. God, I pray for all of us, our community, our our country, that you will guide us Bring us back to you. Bring us back to your your, your word. Bring us back to right and wrong. Give us the freedom that can be found there. In Christ's name, we pray and give thanks. Amen. 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 Happy Sunday, Orchard Grove.